0: Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that keeps you up-to-date and informed about the hideous events that shape your world. This week we'll begin with local news. A Russian immigrant named Yuri Lee Pissmeoff has been sentenced to anger management classes after he bit a police dog. The dog, who is undergoing a round of rabies shots, is expected to fully recover. Hey, We have another commentator on the show. It's E. Michael Jones. Hey, welcome, E. Mike, how are you?
1: Thank you, Kevin, good to be here.
0: All right, good to have you back. Uh, As things get crazier and crazier, uh, the most eloquent people who see through the craziness are the ones I wanna talk to, and you are at the top of the list. So thank you. let's get going on this show. Uh, First, our motto here is question everything. If you don't like asking questions, especially about sensitive subjects, don't watch our show. Uh, unless you need a, clear, uh, a cure for overly low blood pressure. Um, this is a very disturbing show sometimes, so get ready to be disturbed. Um, medical health disclaimer, neither of us are medical doctors. We're doctors of other things, so don't get any prescriptions filled that we try to write you. Uh, okay, done with the disclaimer. What's What next? Um, this week, our theme for our show is keep on rocking in the free world keep false flag weekly news rocking in the free world by giving us the pittance of chump change it takes to keep us going a mere 200 bucks a week uh preferably a little over that so we can split some with the foundations like the no lives radio foundation that would be really good um and uh hey what do you think mike about the uh, Van Morrison and Eric Clapton uh, resistance to the lockdowns and so on versus Bur- Bruce Springsteen uh, writing a book with Obama and uh, per- in- imposing apartheid on his audience.
1: Yes. So if you're an old-time rocker, do not write books with the president. Uh, <laughs> the As soon as Eric Clapton came out and talked about his experience with uh, the vaccine, he was immediately excommunicated from the uh, Vatican of rock and roll, uh, namely Rolling Stone magazine. So it tells I, I you now you could get
0: excommunicated from Rolling Stones. So who is John, Jan Wenner still the or wiener? No, I, I think he's
1: out of it. I think no. he's, I think he's uh enjoying his retirement, uh-huh. uh, but uh, or doing whatever he does after he retires, <laughs> whether he's enjoying it or not. But uh, no, it's clear. I'm telling all of you old rockers out there if you're in the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, your hold is very tenuous, you were always being used as part of the destruction of our culture. Uh, and uh, if you get any ideas that you had any other independent status, look at Eric Clapton and look at what happened to him. The guitar god, the uh, the ultimate in rock and roll uh, macho, was uh, deplatformed by Rolling Stone because he objected to COVID.
0: It's funny how rock and roll used to be such a message of rebellion and freedom. That's the way it was packaged anyway by the corporate forces. But uh, now, I guess, the the fact that it's really all about the conformist BS is coming to the fore. So, hey, sheep like us, maybe we were born to vex. Yeah. Um, moving on to Antifa uh, attacks, uh I'd, uh, this is another PSA, actually PSA for uh, help support False Flag Weekly News, so we can fight off these crazy Antifa people who are now uh, calling me a consiparacist. Mike, is is that a, a pejorative enough label that I should sue them? I,
1: I can't even pronounce the the word constiparacist. How, how did you know how to pronounce that word?
0: I I, I had to work I, on I it. Thought, I thought
1: it meant I thought it meant a constipated racist.
0: May, well, in that case, I'm definitely <laughs> going to sue.
1: <laughs> I don't know what to say here. I can't even tell whether it's an insult or a compliment.
0: <laughs> well, I assume it was probably an insult. I, I actually read the article, and it's an attack on Bonnie Faulkner's Guns and Butter show, which includes guests like me and Oli Domogard. So, yeah, free speech for people like us is not popular these days, unless uh, you happen to enjoy what we do, in which case, please, again, support us here at False Flag Weekly News. Moving on to another PSA, the 9-11 Lawyers Committee is appealing to the Supreme Court. Their uh, lawsuit, uh, which was on behalf of uh, Robert McIlvain, who lost his son, Bobby, in the Trade Center, he knows knows that his son, Bobby, was actually uh, murdered by explosives that were part of the pre-demolition explosives that brought down the Trade Center, Uh, and Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, that has brought that story out. These people are suing to get the FBI to release, uh, to, to live up to, its mandate to look at all the evidence around the attacks. And, of course, they're being stonewalled. Merrick Garland participated in judging this case while he was a candidate for the attorney general nomination. So, again, this whole thing stinks to high heaven, and I think people should support the Lawyers Committee in at least uh, calling them out on it.
1: The uh, Supreme Court defends the rights of oligarchs. It's that simple. It's never, been, it's never been any different. From the beginning, the oligarchs were known as creditors, and the majority of the people were known as debtors. Uh, John Marshall supported them. He had all these fictions about a united America when that was all pure fiction. It was the oligarchs versus the people. And it's the same way today. Uh, you know, Amy uh, was a professor at Notre Dame. You can't get to be a professor at the Notre Dame Law School unless you sign on for this type of program. So don't get your hopes up.
0: Yeah, I'm not expecting the Supreme Court to reopen the 9-11 can can of worms, but it That would be the
1: end of the regime. That would be something like the fall of the Berlin Wall. And then after the Berlin Wall fell, the Stasi archives became public, and then you found out what was really going on. But you're talking about the end of the regime when you're talking about something like looking into 9-11 honestly.
0: Indeed. Well, we need to make the end of the regime happen, but I don't think the Supreme Court is going to do it for us. They're not Uh, going to help us. No. Pounding on their door, however, and making some noise about it might contribute to the cause. Uh, Well, let's get into the stories that are too hot for YouTube. If you're watching us now you're not watching us on youtube because youtube considers any honest frank discussion of certain kinds of COVID issues to be quote unquote medical misinformation and their algorithms will go off and and ban us no matter what we were saying about it just based on trigger words so let's go ahead and trigger the heck out of those algorithms because youtube isn't actually listening to us right now uh first story life expectancy is down one and a half years it's almost three years for african americans Um, biggest drop since World War II. Three-quarters of that drop is due to COVID, according to the analysis. And this is, of course, reported on NPR, uh, the National Propaganda Regime. And uh, on the other hand, I I don't necessarily, I'm not that skeptical about these facts and figures. How about you, Mike?
1: I would, well, the point is, uh, how are you going to assign the figures? The figures are one thing, and then the meaning that gets assigned to them is something else. And so what we're seeing right now is, the uh, uh, what should I say? Doubling down. The the COVID uh, COVID virus passed through the population. Uh, the population achieved herd immunity before the vaccine. Okay, before the vaccine they could get the vaccine on the market, we had herd immunity. And so it was down, everybody started opening up and then they decided, no, we can't let this happen. We cannot let this happen. And so what they started to do at this point was blame all of the uh, everything, but especially the side effects of the vaccine as that started to hit the market on what they're calling new variants, the Delta variant or something like that. Because they are determined, determined to force this population to get vaccinated because that's part of the program. That is the program.
0: And the next slide makes that pretty clear. Um, The pandemic of the unvaccinated NPR tells us, claiming that unvaccinated Americans account for virtually all recent COVID-19 hospitalizations and deaths which is odd because the only person I know in real life who has ever been hospitalized from COVID, and I don't know anybody in real life who's died from COVID, but the one person I know who was hospitalized for COVID was hospitalized for COVID uh, a couple of months after getting, I forget whether it was the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll,
1: I'll give you a story. The story is a man gets first COVID vax and then dies. Okay. Hmm. Now, What he died of covid, according to the official story, because he didn't get the second vaccination. Well, wait a minute. There's another possible interpretation here. Maybe he died of the vaccination. So this is the type of sleight of hand that's going to be imposed on the data to to, because they have an outcome that they are determined to impose on the rest of us.
0: And if he died after the second vaccination, they would have said it's because he didn't get the third vaccination,
1: the booster. Right. So right. It, it's jo- the point here is you are going to have vaccination on a regular basis. You meaning the entire world, the entire world. And so what I think the, the newer, the best piece of information that came out recently was that interview with David Martin, where he went through the patents. Well, I think that exposes the the gist of what's going oh, yeah, on they, they here. They built this the bioweapon,
0: t- and they built the vaccines. At well, the same they time. built
1: this. So, so what you're seeing here, this is a binary weapon. First part one is the uh, the COVID. Part two is the uh, is the vaccination that deals with it, because that's what makes the money here.
0: And of course, I'm uh, I'm not 100 percent sure of that. Uh, I'm not sure whether it could be. I mean, normally when you build a bioweapon and you make the vaccine, you want the vaccine to offer some protection to your side. Uh, So normally the vaccines, even no matter, you know, if they did, if they could do a fair amount of damage, like Gulf War vaccines uh, cause so much Gulf War syndrome, but it still could be that overall the vaccine actually uh, does create better outcomes than the disease itself. That's what one would expect from biowar research and vaccines. That's what our producer Alan Reese believes. He is vaccinated. He hasn't had any ill effects. And he thinks he, he trusts the vaccine precisely because he knows it was a military vaccine developed by the same evil genocidal people that created the bioweapon itself and then used it to attack uh, China and Iran. So that's Alan's perspective. Um, but of course, you don't agree with that one, Mike
1: no it, the vaccine produces spike proteins uh, spike proteins uh, among a certain uh, par, part of the population produce clots and clots if they go to certain places will kill you so that's that's part that i that's part of the uh, that's the story that, It is not a vaccine uh in any traditional sense of the word i think you're right that it was a, uh routinely when you create a weapon, you routinely create uh, an antibody to to counteract the bioweapon that you created. But that's also a way of of profiting from it because we now know the people who own the patents to these things and and, uh, Dr. Fauci is one of them. So that fits in with the economic program, but the economic program is also part of a bigger program of political control. So it's like Mm. uh, interlocking uh, uh, circles and we need some type of Venn diagram to parse them and make sense of them.
0: Well, the NPR stories at the bottom of those stories, they all try to beg you to sign up for their new normal newsletter. Uh, So it's like their slogan is be a new
1: normal, (laughs) which which uh, means accept everything they say. That's going to be normal now because we have to get back away from the situation where b- people became skeptical of the conventional narrative, which happened in 2019, which is precisely the the reason for the COVID intervention was basically to shut down that type of dis, uh, uh, that type of, uh, from their point of view, disinformation.
0: Well, you better get that new normal newsletter if you want to be a new normal, because if you go to Facebook, uh, they're killing you. That's what Joe Biden says. Uh, They're killing people on Facebook because they're allowing the skeptics uh, to not get purged quickly enough. Uh, So uh, here's some of the information that they are indeed trying to purge at Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and every place else. Uh, So this is up on BitChute. Um, an Ohio-based attorney, Thomas Renz, is filing in Alabama on behalf of America's frontline doctors claiming that a whistleblower has leaked documents showing that there have, in fact, been 45,000 deaths within three days of vaccines, uh, or getting vaccinated, and that that's being covered up. So I'm curious to see those documents.
1: We, we need some type of court of appeals here. We need some type of final uh, adjudication and the court does this when they put you under oath and you have to tell the truth. And if you've if you found that you committed perjury, you will go to jail. The government unfortunately is now under the control of the very people that we need to talk about. And that came out in that press conference. I don't know where that's on the agenda here, but uh, when uh, Ms. Psaki uh, announced that we are, we the white house is collaborating with Facebook. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's put aside that statement that is attributable to Biden's dementia rather than anything else. The real story is that the White House and Facebook are collaborating. Mm -hmm. That means that the government is involved. If the government is involved, then the First Amendment applies. To Facebook. And so therefore, and there's a lawsuit
0: about that too, actually.
1: Right. And that's what we, so we can't have it both ways anymore. If the government is working with Facebook, Facebook is part of the government and the first amendment applies, which means they cannot deplatform us unless we break the law as specified by the first amendment.
0: But Mike, this is a public health issue. In our next slide, uh, this is a Sputnik story. Quoting Fauci is saying that we would still be ridden with smallpox and polio and other plagues. Um, if, all, if we'd had social media to spread all of this anti-vax disinformation back in those days. But my, my response to Dr. Fauci is if they really want to convince people, stop bullying and censoring people. Open it up for an honest discussion. No bullying, no censorship, no intimidation, and then I'll, I'll be more inclined to listen sympathetically to your message.
1: Secondly, uh, if we're talking about smallpox, there was all there were always problems with vaccines, and I'm talking about real vaccines. Jonathan Edwards died of a smallpox uh, v- a vaccination because they didn't get it quite right. Because you're injecting the very thing that m- might kill you, hopefully in a lower dosage. But the problem here is we're not talking about that va- a vaccine in that sense of the word anymore. We're talking about mRNA. Uh, 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 substances producing spike proteins, which is completely different than the traditional vaccine. So the analogy does not apply.
0: And at the end of this Sputnik story, they quote a cybersecurity expert who, quote unquote, wants to ban self-styled doctors. They need to ban the self-styled doctors. Wait a minute. I am a
1: real doctor. I am a real doctor. And I, I am an absolute expert on AIDS, as I told everyone in Africa when I talked about African AIDS, because I have a PhD in American literature specializing in fiction and AIDS is a fiction. So I'm an expert.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm glad you said that during our non YouTube part of the show because they don't have any sense of irony or humor or anything like that. Those censorship algorithms are utterly and completely humorless and idiotic. Um, Speaking of self styled doctors, you mentioned mRNA vaccines. How about Dr. Robert Malone? He's actually a real doctor uh, and he's the kind of guy they want to ban because, as the inventor of mRNA vaccines, although that's all been scrubbed in the last couple of weeks, uh, he doesn't think they should be used the way they're being used right now. And now he's being told by high-level, a high level journalist supposedly that he needs to get protection against potential uh, assassination attempts because he thinks that ivermectin is a better bet than the current mRNA vaccines. Um, and uh, he also notices that Moderna has shot up from being worth $5 billion to being worth over $100 billion since this pandemic began, and that there's tons of money behind the vaccination program, whereas ivermectin would make a lot less money for its makers. That might have something to do with why the vaccines are considered so preferable to ivermectin. Uh, I would like to see good medical data to make that decision myself.
1: Yes. So you've stated the case very eloquently there. Uh, the the whole intersection of profit and political power and oligarchic control and so on and so forth, uh, and that's what that's why it stalled. It stalled. So the subtitle, the subheading of headline of that uh, article in the Washington Post about calling everyone who doesn't do it holdouts, is first word is millions. Millions of people have not been vaccinated. It stalled. It stopped. It's, you, I could tell that it stopped uh, out here in Indiana. Everything loosened up, and then they got upset, and they're trying to reimpose, come up with new variants uh, to cover over what happened, according be, because of the vaccines. Now, so everything is going to be based. Everything is going to be a function of this story. So, if you walk, if you uh, we uh, testimony from a local undertaker. Uh, people who died in motorcycle accidents were being at the at the morgue at the funeral home. Uh, it says COVID as as the death on the death certificate. This is ridiculous, and the story is getting out, and that's why they're threatening people like this and threatening people like us. They're not allowed to get a t- say this type of stuff.
0: And because- of course, the pe- yeah, the people that worry about it are not the self styled doctors who aren't really doctors. Most you know America's frontline physicians, they're mostly real doctors. Robert Malone is is a very esteemed doctor and expert on the mRNA vaccines that he basically invented. But people don't trust the authorities anymore. Um, Some people are more likely to trust whistleblowers like Dr. Malone. But hey, if you trust Sean Hannity, then maybe you'll get vaxxed. He's now suddenly uh, telling you to get vaxxed. He was apparently ordered to do it due to the stock market plunge. And now Trump, in the next slide, is also Uh, pro-vax, but he's blaming Biden for people not getting vaxed. Um, He says that they're refusing to take the vaccine because they don't trust the administration, they don't trust the election results, and they certainly don't trust the fake news. Well, Trump might actually have a
1: point. Trump... um uh, Trump is uh, never should have brought Fauci on in the first place. He opened the door to this. Trump was always a day late and a dollar short whenever it came to this type of thing. He had an inadequate understanding. Anyone who knew Fauci's history knew that he was involved in the AIDS debacle, knew that he was responsible for the deaths of thousands of homosexuals because he fast-tracked AZT as a treatment, which killed them. Uh, anybody, he knew this. They should have known this. And so what you're seeing is basically these people will pass from the scene because at one point Trump addressed the reality of the political situation and now he's not going to do it. The same thing with Sean Hannity, Fox News. Only those who address reality are going to be listened to and these people will just pass away. I don't understand why the people at Fox News don't understand that. But I guess there are higher claims on their allegiance than the the listeners who tune them in.
0: I guess. Well, personally, I'm not going to be taking uh, Sean Hannity's word or even Donald Trump's word about whether I should be vaccinated or not, or not anything else. Uh, They're obviously not experts. One self-styled doctor who, another (laughs) real doctor that they would smear as a self-styled doctor, Sutrad Bhakti, who was the former head of the Institute of Medical Microbiology and Hygiene at a uh, major German university. Uh, has now been had his book dumped by his publisher, as we see in the next slide. He's been dumped not because he's a COVID conspiracy theorist and anti-vaxxer, but rather because he doesn't particularly care for the genocide of Palestine. He said that the Israelis have learned the evil from the Nazis and implemented it, and that's why Israel is now a living hell. Mm, So he can say whatever he wants about COVID, but don't ever criticize Israel.
1: No, no. When you see part of the interlocking uh, apparatus of control uh, here, uh, any type of mention of that becomes the third rail. Why do, what about uh, the, uh, the Nazis learned from the Jews? What about that story?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that would probably be considered even more anti-Semitic. That would that would <laughs>
1: that would get you even more trouble. Yeah. even more trouble.
0: Well, that, that's what Lauren Goyano says. I translated his book from Yahweh to Zion, which is a kind of alternative history of uh, of Jewish power uh, through millennia, and uh, he he actually does argue that basically the Nazis learned it from the Jews. So right. uh, that's uh, he's, Nas- he's worse than
1: Bhakti. National socialism is German Zionism. It's obvious that these two things are two sides of the same coin. And they, they were uh, actively collaborating uh, with each other because uh, they had a common interest of basically getting the Jews out of Europe and moving them over to uh, what uh, would become Israel.
0: Indeed. OK, well, we're, we're now in the part of the show where we're not saying anything that could even conceivably be construed as medical misinformation by idiotic humorless algorithms and therefore uh, alan the producer has pushed the youtube button and we're now broadcasting live on youtube so let's talk about some controversial things that maybe they won't cut our heads off for talking about speaking of cutting heads off how about france the uh, Liberté, Égalité, Fraternité movement in France is building as uh, these draconian punishments have been proposed. Um, apparently unvaxxed uh, Français will be banned from using public transport, entering a cinema, shopping mall, bar, cafe, restaurant, or other venues starting August 1st. That's coming up next week. They will face six months in prison and a $10,000 fine if they try to go to a movie or set foot in a shopping mall or get on a bus. Uh, If it turns out that they don't have their little yellow star uh, vax thing or whatever, and the owners who let them into venues like cafes, for example, will face a $50,000 fine. Are the French uh, going to sit still for this? No. In the next slide, uh, we see the gilets jaunes movement is still growing strong, breaking down the left-right political divisions and forging a, a broad popular struggle against the power elite that is the oligarchs. So, abba la dictature technomédicale, down with techno-medical dictatorship. I'm ready to go to France and join the next revolution. How about you, Mike?
1: No, I'm going to stay where I am. But I applaud the French uh, because uh, they are in many ways on the the front lines of this. Macron is determined to double down and, and determined. He, he the the best thing that ever happened to Macron was COVID because it ended the the Gilets jaunes Jean uh, uh, protest in the streets. But now, when you double down, you create twice the opposition, and now it looks as if it's even broader than it was than it was before. It's even more focused. And so I think that uh, that's the problem. You know, you double down in gambling, uh, you tend to lose everything. Uh, And that's exactly, so if you're not going to accommodate the will of the people, the volonté générale upon which the French Revolution was based, uh, you probably have a short lifespan as president of France
0: and today even as we speak uh worldwide demonstrations are occurring and you can find out where uh, at worldwidedemonstration.com that's the thing i I was plugging with uh with cat mcguire our fellow false flag weekly news co-host last week on my radio show so they're they're in the streets now all over the world and france is leading the way so this is this is very interesting but the repression is coming down harder and harder. It's the uh, you know the, the irresistible force meeting the immovable object, and let's, that.
1: Rep- let, yeah. Let's let's talk about an ultimate of uh, a, a, a scenario. The ultimate scenario. Uh, the they come to your door with the hypodermic needle. What do you think is going to happen? That's the ultimate scenario, as far as I can understand. I, I can see it. Okay, they failed to get you because you can't get on an airplane. You quit your job and now they're going to you send out the shock troops and they're going to come to your door and uh, you're going to knock on the door. They're going to come in and they're going to vaccinate you in your home. What do you think will happen in America if that if that scenario comes to pass? I think that Americans will take out a gun and shoot the people that come in to their house because there are lots of guns and we haven't already established a precedent here where if someone says there's an intruder in your house, you have a right to defend yourself. I'm going to go even farther as a Catholic. And I'm going to say that as uh, we have a right to self-defense, the Catholic church does not believe in pacifism. We have a right to defend ourselves. COVID is a bioweapon. I'm saying it's a binary. We've already discussed this. How the vaccine and the, the virus are two two sides of the same coin. This is the culmination of that. You have a right to defend yourself. I'm not advocating violence here. I am saying that violence will naturally occur if you if the oligarchs press on with their current agenda.
0: Okay, well yeah, it's it, I agree it's a bioweapon, and even the mainstream media is now admitting that. Uh, after a year and a half of purging you from social media if you brought it up, suddenly the story flipped and they admitted that it's true. The fur and cleavage site is is pretty obviously a bioweapon. Uh so the repression is coming at us. I don't know if they're gonna be at people's doors with needles anytime soon. I would think not because they know exactly what you just described, Mike. It wouldn't work, but maybe they're that stupid. I don't know, but they're certainly repressing the media environment, and uh, Iran in particular has been getting uh, the, the iron fist coming down on it. Uh, here's my new article at American Free Press about the uh, obliteration of presstv.com, which removed the URLs for thousands and thousands of pro-9-11 truth stories, like Alan Sabrosky, the former head of strategic studies at the, uh, the U.S. Army, um, what was it called, the U.S. Army War College, Uh, They had a terrific interview with him, so much great 9-11 truth stuff on Press TV. And then uh, a couple of months before the 20th anniversary of 9-11, boom, uh, the U.S. government erases PressTV.com, and all of those stories are now very difficult to find. Uh, You can still find the backups, PressTV.ir, if you really, really work at it in some cases. But they essentially erased all of this rich trove of 9-11 skepticism uh, on a major international channel. They erased that two months before 9-11. So my point here is that uh, that plus the fact that Iran has been screaming from the rooftops that, uh, that COVID was released by a U.S. biological attack on on uh, Wuhan and Qom. Uh, those two things together, I think, are probably the two reasons that they just erased PressTV.com. This is unprecedented censorship to have the United States government erase a major international news network.
1: Every time they do this, they're saying they lost; they're losing the war. There's only one effective way to wage information warf- warfare, if that's what you want to call it. I, I call it discourse, but uh, is to refute what your opponent is saying. It's the only effective way. Then your opponent just kind of walks away. It happens repeatedly. You say something and suddenly the argument's over because the opponent doesn't know what to say. Every time they're forced to do this, they are saying, we're losing. Every time the ADLZ platforms you, they're saying that they're losing. Well, you can't go on losing and expect to win. Because the consciousness is growing, and every time uh, the consciousness grows, it becomes more and more confident that that we are involved with the true narrative, and the proof that we're involved with the true narrative is they have to ban us to silence us. It's that simple.
0: That's right. and But they're still crossing line after line here. You know, they crossed the line when they banned this international news network and erased its website. And in the next slide, we see they, they crossed another line here as the White House is telling Facebook what it should be censoring. As you mentioned earlier, Mike, this is uh, a blatant violation of the First Amendment. I think it's already a violation to have a de facto public utility like Facebook or YouTube being uh, censoring anything that's constitutionally protected speech that is indeed treasonous, in my opinion. But now they're not hiding that fact behind this BS uh, thin veneer uh, claiming that actually, well, no, these are private companies. They're not private companies, they're monopolies. They, They are the de facto public square. But now they don't even hide behind that anymore. And the president now tells them what they should be censoring, blatant violation of the First Amendment. And we have a new lawsuit about that. Uh, this is, is Rogalinski versus Facebook. This should be the easiest lawsuit in history to win.
1: Well, they're not just monopolies; they're government agencies. That—that that was always the genius of the American system. It was basically to to privatize, to outsource, and so you know, Time Magazine was an ef- extremely effective propaganda agency it was the propaganda ministry of the United States of America it had close ties with the CIA CD Jackson uh, was uh, simultaneously an employee of the CIA and on the board of Time Life and he coordinated those those two operations okay that was very that was very effective but uh, once you explain that fact you destroy Times' credibility okay It was a government agency. Now Facebook is a government agency, which means it has to be subordinated to government regulation. And that means regulation by the legislatures who control uh, our government, who we elect and put in office. This will eliminate this ludicrous uh, libertarian fantasy that somehow there is this big distinction between private enterprise and uh, government, and government is always bad and private enterprise is always good. Thank God that Facebook has eliminated that ludicrous fantasy from public discourse. You don't hear anything from libertarians anymore. They're, They're an extinct species because of the development of what we're talking about right now.
0: And in this era of uh, the rising tide of censorship swapping everything and everyone, uh, one of the most important targets of the censors is of course, jokes. If we let people just tell jokes freely, uh, think of what could happen to the world. So I, if you tell jokes, like Holocaust jokes in particular are really, really bad. And so I'm not gonna tell any Holocaust jokes. I, the only Holocaust joke I can think of, I, I don't dare tell. So I'll just say the punchline, which is uh, three in the back, two in the front, and six million in the ashtray. Oops, I guess I'll never work in this town again, especially uh, not at the Olympics committee. Me and Lenny Bruce, man, you know, life is hard uh, when you tell transgressive jokes. And anyway, they, they fired the creative director for telling a Holocaust joke. I mean, that's almost a Holocaust joke in itself.
1: The, uh, the, one of the first casualties of political correctness was comedy. So you had the rise of comedy clubs during this period of time, and that was all killed. Uh, Owen Benjamin's the classic example of a guy who had some type of comedic talent and then just got banned because of political correctness. And so what you had was the rise of the unfunny Jewish comedian. And uh, this lady, Sarah Sarah Silverman, I I still don't understand why that's funny. Owen uh, played Seinfeld without the laugh track, and suddenly realized, hey, this wasn't funny at all, okay? So you have to, in order to have humor, you have to have some ability to understand the difference between reality and this pomposity that is being accepted as reality. And then you put your gun there and you fire at that, and that's funny. That's funny. A sacred cow, you poke the uh, burst that bubble and that's a joke and everybody gets it and everybody laughs. Okay. Well, if you can't do that, that's the end of comedy. And that's precisely what happened here. It's over. It's not funny anymore. The stuff that you can hear is not funny because it's all politically correct. And if it's politically correct, it's not dealing with the main issue, which is the sacred cow
0: exactly so the holocaust is a sacred cow and another sacred cow that we can certainly never laugh at is the uh, terrifying incursion at the capitol on january 6th but if you look closely at the details of this incursion uh and you look at the discussion about possible election fraud you, know, you realize that the mainstream narrative that we can totally trust American elections—they're uh, perfect and always have been. There's never been any election fraud. That's nonsense. Uh, and the left and the right agree. Here we have a pretty decent article, uh, the right by Bob Jenkins. It's actually on your left, but it's from the, on the right side of the political spectrum, pointing out that there are some kind of prima facie reasons to doubt the 2016 elections. And then on the on the other right, which is actually the political left, you see the story by Jonathan Simon. Who will be on my radio show next week, pointing out that, yeah, mostly it's actually the Republicans that have been cheating. And the fact that the Republican uh, congressional races did so much better than the president in this last election, that's that's bizarre. And it actually might be a sign that those uh, Republican congressional races were in fact rigged uh, in, in the favor of Republicans, but maybe Trump didn't get the benefit of so much rigging. Uh, in any case, uh, are we allowed to laugh at elections? Are we, or, or are American elections a sacred cow too? Can can we take? Do we have to take everything seriously? Uh, is is, is are, are these talking points of the mainstream media so sacred that nobody can question them or joke about them?
1: Well, uh, Thrasymachus in his dialogue with Socrates said that truth is the opinion of the powerful. Uh, that's that's the criteria. So you have to check with the powerful people to find out uh, what you're allowed to, to to laugh at, or what you're allowed to believe. Uh, uh, and this is obviously the antithesis of what this country was founded on. So you have this. Uh, what, what is what is this uh, this attack on the Capitol building? The the biggest threat to American democracy since what? Since the beginning. Uh, well, I think it was Charlottesville too, if you want my honest opinion. I think that uh, they knew what was going on. They allowed these people in.
0: And, and that's what the next slide is telling us. So let's, let's move to that story. This was actually from a, a left wing perspective, but it is fully, uh, pretty, it basically matches what you're saying.
1: They let them in, they lured them in. Uh, I mean, I was in the Capitol years ago, and you couldn't get near the Capitol. Even then, this this was before 9-11, you couldn't get near the Capitol, you know, and they had all of these security devices and everything else. And you mean to tell me that uh, these these guys who didn't know what they were doing could just bumble their way in? No, they were let in. They were let in to create this fu- a false flag operation to uh, demonize Trump and then demonize everyone who supported Trump, anyone who disagrees with the narrative. That's what's happening here. And every- right, yeah. And everybody knows it, and and uh, no matter how many times you say it's wrong, you're not going to change the fact that people know what they know. Uh,
0: but but it could because be, I but know
1: people who were there, actually people who were there who were describing all of these operatives, these guys with Trump hats, are saying we got to go in now. Well, who are they? Do, are, are we going to cover the uh, the latest development in Michigan? Is that on the agenda here? I'll, I'll hold off till then, but I, I could talk about that now as well yeah, the, we, we the, could jump the, to that the, in
0: just a second. But I want to make the point that this excellent story here by Paul Jay uh, updates his piece that he did back in January, uh, pointing out that, yeah, everything you just said, Mike, is absolutely true. and And in this uh, article, he shows that Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi almost certainly colluded. Uh, because they actually had the power to call in security or not to, and they chose not to. So they certainly colluded in setting up the false flag that you just described to demonize the Trump supporters and to crush Trump. The reason they did that, however, according to this analysis by Paul Jay, is that Trump was in fact trying to organize a a coup, the very uh, kind of coup that Michael Flynn had talked about, where they call out the military to force new elections in swing states and so on. And so that coup plan, Uh, had failed by January 6th. So uh, McConnell and Pelosi, who basically want to crush the Trump movement and get rid of Trump, he's a pain to both of them and everybody else for different reasons, they uh, set up this incursion. Um, So I I think that's the full story. There was actually a Trump uh, coup plot uh, featuring some of Trump's supporters in the military, such as acting Secretary of Defense Miller, uh, before uh, all of this. And then that had failed by January 6th, and January 6th was used to uh, crush the movement that was behind that plot.
1: Yes, yes, that makes sense, perfect it's sense.
0: It's actually a really good article. I really recommend people read this. Paul Jay is a, a serious professional journalist. Uh, cut his teeth, he's, he's Canadian, but he, he's got a, a, a great background. Highly recommend his work, and especially this article, if you want a full view of, of a, the larger picture around January 6th. Um, and, and, of course, January 6th was was so terrifying that we almost lost the nuclear football. Oh, my God, the rioters came within 100 feet of Pence and the backup nuclear football. The suitcase includes the nuclear codes. Anybody who gets that suitcase can basically incinerate the planet. Oh, my God, if the red team intercepts the ball, they could throw a long bomb. They should have blitzed and tackled Pence and they could have forced a fumble, scooped up the football and run into the end zone. As in the end of life on Earth zone um so i mean the world is completely crazy and it's not just that they let these guys get within 100 feet of the football it's the fact that there is a nuclear football and that mike pence is the guy running
1: carrying it around <laughs> yes yes uh, yes yeah. yes it- you, you've said it all i i have nothing to add to your commentary on that
0: Okay. Yeah. So it's it's great how we're allowing these sensible, mature people to decide when and where our planet goes up in flames. So uh, on to the halftime show, folks. For your entertainment and enjoyment, we're going to set off some nuclear fireworks. Just kidding. Okay. Moving on to ice cream, a much happier topic. Uh, ben and Jerry's, the good news. We got a good news, bad news joke here. Ben and, good news: Ben and Jerry's stops sale in Israeli West Bank settlements. Um, And meanwhile, the settler organization Stormtroopers of Zion has protested, saying that preventing them from holding ice cream parties to celebrate the killing of Palestinian children is anti-Semitic. So that's the good news. Uh, The bad news in the next slide is that, in fact, looks like these anti-BDS laws are going to be invoked by the Zionists to try to bring the ice cream back for the celebrations of killing Palestinian children. And then the final bad news is that really even Ben and Jerry's targeting settlements. What do you mean settlements? The whole occupied Palestine is settlements. There's no difference. Uh, Excellent article here by Maureen Claire Murphy making that point.
1: Yes. So now you see the Achilles heel of uh, the governor of Florida and the governor of Texas, uh, which seemed on the surface to be uh, cells of resistance. Against the COVID lockdown, against the, uh, the uh, censorship, deplatforming on the internet. And now, up, oh, it turns out that it looks as if Ben and Jerry's is going to be banned from Florida and Texas because those governors passed those uh, anti BDS laws. Okay. Now, we, we need a political realignment here. Okay. We had, at one point, there was an anti Masonic party in the United States of America, because that was a real burning issue. We need an anti-Jewish party right now because that is
0: the the presidential candidate. uh,
1: I, if, if, if uh, elected, if nominated, I will run. If elected, I will serve. (laughs) We, we have, someone has to face up to the fundamental basic reality of American political life, which is basically it's controlled by a very small group of people. Uh, So uh, either an anti-Jewish party or an anti-Israel party uh, for its foreign policy, but someone is going to have to address the elephant in the room.
0: But Mike, I don't think if you call it the anti-Jewish party, that might mislead people a little bit because, as we talked about last week, a poll recently showed that about one quarter of the American Jewish population agrees that Israel is not only a an apartheid state, but it's a genocidal apartheid state. It's perpetrating genocide on the Palestinians. That's one quarter of the American Jewish population thinks that. That's probably a much higher uh, number than you would get if you say poll Catholics or. you know, anybody except maybe Muslims, Muslims might be up there with the Jews. So it's it's not so much that everybody of Jewish identity is a problem here. It's a very small number of Zionist oligarchs uh, who are a problem.
1: Did I say every Jew was a problem? Well, I you know, if it's I you said, an anti-Jewish I said,
0: party and somebody's uh, Jewish, yeah, they might well, think it applies it,
1: to them. It is, it is Jewish influence. How about the anti-Jewish influence party? Who is it? What group of people is responsible for the anti-BDS laws in Florida and California? Is it Samoans? Is it Palestinians?
0: But, but Mike, why, why not just an anti-oligarch party? Because some, you know, half the oligarchs aren't Jewish, and they're really just almost as much of a problem, aren't they?
1: Because Sun Sun Tzu, or whatever the Chinese guy name was, is you have to identify the enemy here. It's Jewish influence. We have to deal with that because unless you put pressure on the people who are causing the problem, you will not resolve the issue. That's the fundamental issue. Now, I have Jewish subscribers uh, to my magazine who think I'm the greatest writer since uh, Plato and Shakespeare rolled up together. I'm talking about the mobilization of Jew, of the Jewish people, whether the Jewish people agree with that or not. It's based on a mythology that consolidates their power and allows them inordinate control of our political system. Now, uh, my father-in-law was a Mason, okay? I'm sure there were Masons that may have not gone along with the agenda at that point in time, but the group as a group, was committed to an agenda that was antithetical to the American system. And that's the same situation today, mutatis mutandis.
0: Okay, so you're you're going to run for president in uh, 2024 uh, with the anti-Jewish party. I'm going to run with the anti-oligarch party. So it's going to come down to you versus me, the anti-Jewish party versus the anti-oligarch party. I'm going to go out and stump for votes. Um, so, but I, I get your point, Mike, that, the, you know, that, ethnocentric, uh, wealthy, powerful people of Jewish heritage have leveraged their their um, nepotism and so on to do terrible things. And one example would I- be the Israeli spyware in the next uh, story that was in leaked um, by Amnesty International and a couple of other groups to The Guardian, the Washington Post and other big journalistic outlets. And so these these Israeli companies are creating this spyware that can just infect every infect your phone, spy on everything you do, locate you for drone attacks if they want to do that. Uh, this is this is hideous, and they're they who gets targeted here mostly activists and basically good people. This this was probably used to kill Khashoggi. It was basically an Israeli operation as much as a Saudi operation, and uh, just another example of the of Zionist power doing terrible things.
1: Yes, so you agree with me then.
0: Yeah, up to a point, I have to admit I do. Uh, and then here's a, the next article. I'm sure you would agree with with this uh, headline writer's decision to use the word Jew. That's Eric Stryker, I guess. Jews enlist U.S. government to intervene in Chilean politics. And again, I wouldn't say I would say 99 of American Jews didn't do that, but some of them did. Uh, and there's this uh, election happening in Chile where Daniel Jadu, who's a descendant of Palestinian refugees, is the front runner in the polls, and he's been. Uh, pointing out the Jewish oligarchical control of media in Chile. He was listed as one of the top anti-Semites in the world by the Wiesenthal Center because he supports BDS. Uh, basically a totally good guy and uncommonly honest for a politician about to win in Chile. And so this power structure, whether you want to call it the Jewish oligarchic billionaires or the Zionist oligarchic billionaires, whoever you want to call them, they don't want to let this guy become president of Chile. They're going to probably start a new Operation Condor uh, and will be tens of thousands more bodies of, of the good, honest, uh, idealistic people of South America will be strewn around after having been tortured and murdered, uh, by American and Zionist imperial agents, all for the crime of wanting to elect this guy president. So yeah, I'm, I, okay. I, I partially agree with you, Mike.
1: So the, the fact that this group of people has the power to enlist the U S government to do its bidding in foreign policy, isn't that problematic? Isn't that a little bit problematic? No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> Is there some? Should we have the right to talk about this and maybe determine that this this group of people should not have the right to commandeer the United States government?
0: Well, wait a minute, Mike. Are you telling us? And let's advance to the next slide. Are you telling us? that you don't think that the Israeli intelligence people should be having folks like Jeffrey Epstein collecting dirt on American politicians in order to run the American government? Because that's what this article in Rolling Stone is basically telling us, although Vicki Ward, the author, doesn't say it in quite so many words, but basically what she's saying is, well, I kinda knew that Epstein was an Israeli spy all the way back in like 2004, but he scared the crap out of me, told me that he basically threatened my life uh, if I talked about that or even about his girls, and uh but bottom line jeffrey epstein has been an israeli sleeper in the u.s for three or four decades and he finally lost his protection because he wasn't discreet enough so so yeah epstein was running the american government for for tel aviv by collecting blackmail dirt on the highest level most powerful americans and uh yeah mike i suppose you don't think that's good
1: well what is the main function of the jew taboo You can say Jeffrey Epstein did this. You can say George Soros did that. As soon as you say either one of them is a Jew, then you're in trouble. Well, what that does is uh, it it prohibits you from making the connections that just got made in in this story. Well, maybe he was working for Israel because that's the connection that needs to be explored. But as soon as you say that, you're in trouble. Well, we have to. We're not going to get anywhere this way. We are basically putting blinders on ourselves. We're internalizing the commands of our oppressors, and the main result of that is we remain stupid. We become stupid because we can't make the connections that need to be made. It's that simple.
0: Well, we're not allowed to criticize Jews, but we can certainly criticize Catholics all we want. So let's let's start uh, getting into some Catholic dirt here, Mike. Now you're you're one of uh, the leading Catholic intellectuals. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about your take on Pope Francis cracking down on traditional Latin mass because it's too popular, like seven times as many new parishes. Uh, I've got all these friends who are really into the traditional Latin mass. I mean, you're even converting people from my audience. Somebody in, my, in Sweden from my audience uh, is apparently becoming Catholic uh, thanks to watching you. And so the, the traditional side of Catholicism seems to be picking up steam and the liberal uh, Vatican II side is dying out. And so the Pope uh, is killing off the successful franchise uh, in a desperate hope to protect, protect the uh, fail, failing franchise. Uh, doesn't look like good business sense to me.
1: Are you a libertarian? Am I detecting a kind of libertarian strain, defensive capitalism as the ultimate no, reality here? Me?
0: No, I, I ran for office yeah. as a libertarian once. So okay. yeah, I, plead, I, plead okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. I say. I say, first of all, I want to say Eric Stryker's article hit the nail on the head. Okay. And the nail is basically, I hate to say this, but it's my fault that this happened. And I, I think was wondering Eric, about that. I think Eric Stryker was right. Okay. Because at the middle of that article, there's a passage there where he mentions me and he mentions me uh, uh, having an effect on the younger generation of traditionalists. And that's the, the crux of the matter. That's what—that's what's getting everybody upset uh the the to, to get back to the big picture here the the Jews were always upset with the latin mass because the latin mass had all of those traditional prayers in it about perfidious Jews uh saint augustine going into long detail on one of the uh, uh the matins of one uh part of the liturgy that uh, was still in latin talking about how the Jews killed christ they were upset about that and they dealt with it they tried to subvert the second vatican council through Malachi Martin, a Jesuit at the time. Uh, I cover this in The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. And the point I'm trying to make here is that that younger generation of traditionalists started reading The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, and it caused a schism in the traditionalist movement. Because it was the Latin Mass movement was created by neocons from New York City who imposed the conservative formula, the conservative template on it. They were all followers of William F. Buckley, and they used his uh, conservative template to basically stifle and weaponize the Latin Mass. That happened years ago. I wrote an article about this 28 years ago. If the Pope, if Pope Benedict had read my article, he never would have expanded the indult. Uh, To make it basically a second right. He said it wasn't, but that's in effect what happened. And it grew. It grew to the point where uh, the Jews started to get worried again because there are all these Catholics listening to the traditional denunciation of perfidious Jews in the Latin right. And they didn't like it. Wait a minute. They don't know
0: Latin. How do they know what it's saying?
1: They know what it's saying because they have a missile and the missile has it in English across from the Latin translation. That's the way you follow the mass when you didn't know Latin. Okay. So the, the point here is that uh, they they the, the Jews got upset because here it's the return of the repressed. We thought we completely suppressed this. Now it's coming back. So who do the Jews turn to when they're upset? They turn to the Jesuits Uh, The Jesuits are the proxy warriors for the Jews in the Catholic Church. And the Jesuit Thomas Reese, who used to be editor of America Magazine, wrote an article in April detailing exactly what happened. He was upset that young people were going to the Latin Mass because they were hearing this anti-Jewish stuff as part of their religion. And so he said, we have to ban it. And that's what happened. Uh, The Pope is a Jesuit. It may come as a surprise to you, but the Jesuits work with each other. That is the whole point of being a Jesuit. And so the Pope basically did the bidding of Thomas Reese, who did the bidding of the Jews. George Soros gave uh, $1.7 million to the Jesuits uh, uh, a year or so ago, uh, an ongoing operation here. So what is the bottom line here? The bottom line is basically in the very act of repressing it, he broke the story, the real story. And Eric Stryker told the real story in his article. So thank you, Eric Stryker. You hit the nail on the head.
0: Okay, shout out to Eric Stryker. And uh, I, I do hope they won't be successful in uh, censoring the Quran, which also has, I think, very realistic things to say about Jews, both about the, the good ones and the not so good ones and how you know what the difference is there. Anyway, moving on to some horror stories. First horror story, Daniel Hale. Uh, a descendant of Nathan Hale, the Revolutionary War spy, uh, got uh, basically martyred for exposing the insane evil of the drone murder program, uh, and, and including the fact that there are 1.2 million people's names on various stages of their watch list. You think we're on the list of those people that might ultimately get droned, Mike?
1: Uh, I don't think they use drones in this country, but maybe you know who knows what the future is going to be. Yes, I'm on the yes, I'm on the list. I don't know the even have are. needles
0: on the drone. instead of missiles. They'll just have needles. I, I
1: don't. Uh, I, I don't want to reveal any real crucial information, but I'm going to tell you, Kevin. Uh, I don't have a cell phone, so they can't me track either.
0: Me. Same here. This is one of the be- good reasons not to carry a, a tracking device that also makes phone calls. Anyway, this is a great story and just totally horrifying. This is one of the few. Decent patriotic Americans left in this country. Pretty soon, they're all going to be in jail. Uh, and frankly, the people that put up with this drone murder program, from the, the and much less the people who did it. I don't know. Those people are too stupid and evil to live, which is probably a high percentage of the American people, unfortunately. Speaking of, of hideous horror stories, uh, how about this uh, German experiment by Professor Helmut Kentje, one of the world's most influential sexologists? who was placing foster children with pedophiles just to kind of see how it worked out. No, he actually was encouraging this abuse, um, a symptom of our incredibly decadent culture.
1: This goes directly back to the Kinsey Report. The Kinsey Report had a devastating effect on German morality. Uh, I cover this in a, a, a article I did. It's now a chapter in my uh, Logos Rising book, uh, Werner Heisenberg and Jewish Science. Uh, basically, after World War II, anybody who wrote anything had to get a license from a Jewish psychiatrist from New York City. This is the licensed press, and the licensed press went full bore in favor of Kinsey. This uh, And this Kinsey report was based on pedophilia, among other things. And the lady uh, who pointed this out was uh, the late uh, Jewish uh, reporter uh, Judith Reisman who uh, was a friend of mine, uh, and I wrote a chapter of about her exposing this in uh, my book, Libido Dominandi. So Kinsey had pedofi- promoted this pedophile attitude harm made pedophilia seem harmless the germans always do more than the americans are always more uh, consistent and so they just took this to its logical conclusion and this is the natural result of this this is the kinsey report this is jewish censorship of german media this is all where this was, was based and this is the evil fruit of it and no one's supposed to look into the background
0: Indeed. Well, your work has indeed looked into the background of this uh, whole strain of extreme decadence and depravity in Western civilization, um, which you're trying to uh, fix or heal through Catholicism, and I kind of gave up and jumped over to Islam. Either way, I think God is the obviously the remedy for uh, for this. If you have a culture that doesn't believe in any ultimate transcendent values, this is the kind of thing that results Um, And then you also get uh, idolatries of various kinds, including idolatries of ethnicity and race, uh, which is very popular these days. Um, And so here's an article illustrating this. The author obviously is an idolater of the left wing uh, pseudo religion that white is bad and minority is good and he's mocking these Cubans who think that they're white because he thinks empirically they're not white. What does empirically white have to do with anything? Cubans are descended from all sorts of people from all over the world. What did, what? did I couldn't really make heads or tails of this except I guess the author is trying to tell us that those stupid Cubans voted for Trump because they're so stupid they don't even know they're Hispanic, not white. They should be worshiping at the altar of minority status like I do. Is, it, is that what
1: he was saying? White, white is a category of the mind that was created for political purposes. So the question, I go to the New York Times. They had an article, uh, uh, when did Italians become white? I remember when Italians weren't white. Uh, when did the Irish become white? I, I've, I'm dealing with this on a regular basis. I was supposed to debate Jared Taylor in uh, Zagreb about whiteness. Uh, and uh, we have people like Tom Sunich calling in. Uh, Tom Sunich is a Croat. He thinks he's a white guy. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, if Tom Sunich thinks he's a white guy, why wouldn't Cubans think they're a white guy? You can be white. You don't have to be white. Did yes
0: Junior look pretty white when he was married? What, to what about Rachel Dolazel?
1: Right. Is Rachel Dolazel black or is she white? It's a category of the mind and it doesn't have anything to do with biological reality because biological reality doesn't determine any of your behavior. It determines the shape of your nose and maybe the color of your hair and so on and so forth. It doesn't have anything to do with your behavior. And that is the problem that these white boys just can't they can't put their get their arms around that. White is basically a white boy is a protestant who doesn't go to church anymore. <laughs> so, so you so you have the uh, like a Lutheran like Frodi uh, a Norwegian like Frodi Mitjord who had an identity as a Norwegian spoke that language that very few people can speak and was part of the Lutheran Church The Lutheran Church evaporated during this period of time and suddenly Frodi doesn't have an identity anymore and so he thinks he's white this is what this is it's a default setting for people who don't have identity and it's also a form of identity theft
0: Well, this racial ethnic idolatry is very convenient for the billionaire oligarchs who can get everybody divided and uh, not notice that their pockets are being picked. Speaking of which, in the next slide, the uh, Republican red state folks are trying to fix their labor shortage by taking away the extra $300 a week in unemployment benefits that were supposed to go on through September. And this article tells us that there's no evidence that that's actually fixing the labor shortage.
1: No, no. The labor shortage is very simple to fix. It's called higher wages. This is something Americans have never figured out. Okay, labor is the source of all value. What are you, a Marxist? Karl Marx said that. John Locke said that. Adam Smith said that, and Pope John Paul II said that. So the reason, the only thing those people have in common is the fact that they all recognize that that is a true statement. It is a true statement. And Marx's labor theory of value is a problem. It failed because he tried to come up with a price based on labor. You can't do that. The market sets the price. The amount of labor in an in an object does not set the price. So you can uh, set up a vineyard in Iceland, and you'll cr- create very expensive, crappy wine. The, well, a lot of labor uh, put into it, and it's not going to be as good as wine in Portugal, which just kind of happens all by itself. So all those things have to be taken into, factored into the equation. But labor is the source of all value, and those people who now have jobs have the upper hand. And I think they should all ask for raises because that will be the solution to labor shortage, not handouts from the government. That's anti-labor. What you need is higher wages. That is the the path to prosperity. This country took that path in the aftermath of World War II during the 1950s when Ford uh, made uh, peace with Uh, The uh, uh, auto workers union that led the entire country to a period of prosperity. We have to go back to that. We have to repudiate the contempt for labor that the conservatives imposed on this country during the Reagan era.
0: Well, higher wages are part of the solution. But I think that for a final solution, I think we need to find a way of uh, getting rid of billionaires. And what better way than to blast them off into space? It seems like they're willing to go there anyway. So ground control to Major Jeff. Ground control to Major Jeff. We don't want you back, so go and F yourself. (laughs) Ground control to Major Jeff. All right. He's floating in a tin can far beyond the moon. Planet Earth is blue, and it's better without you, Jeff. All right. Jeff Bezos into space. Nobody wants him back. Uh, thousands are signing the petition. So, this might be the final solution to our oligarch problem.
1: Someone's going to have to deal with the oligarch problem. The only institution strong enough to deal with this or big enough is government. That's why we have government. If there, if We need government to protect us, the average person, from the rich and the powerful. That is why government exists. That's what we have to get back to. And so Jeff Bezos, in addition to spending $28 million for five minutes in space, is spending $500 million for a super yacht which is being built for him right now. This type of obscene, ostentatious consumption is an affront to the entire human race. And someone should put an end to it by expropriating uh, this man's money. Okay. And we can do that very simply by imposing, abandon the income tax. Let's have a wealth tax instead. I know you, Warren Buffett, What makes less than a secretary in terms of income, so we need to tax his wealth rather than his income, and this will bring about a reduction. Along with the abolition of usury, you put those two things together and we'll be heading toward a healthy economy again.
0: Okay, a wealth tax sounds great to me, especially if a tiny sliver of it gets to support False Flag Weekly News. But while we're waiting for that to happen, folks, please do continue to support our fundraisers so we can bring you shows like this one with Dr. E. Michael Jones. Well, thanks, E Mike. It's always great doing the show with
1: you. You're welcome. Good to see you. Okay. Good to be with you again.
0: All right. Thanks to Ellen, the producer, all of our supporters. And until next week, um, God willing, see you then.